This is Filling the Sink, a podcast from Catalan News. My name is Lucia Benavides, and today we're talking about art censorship. The Museum of Forbidden Art is the first of its kind in the world, displaying art pieces that were censored or banned at some point in history in various different countries. Whether the reason was political, social, or religious, these works have now found a new home in Barcelona. In this episode, we'll hear from the people behind the museum, and we'll talk about censorship under Francisco Franco's dictatorship. Joining me on this episode are reporters Lea Belayeva. Hi, Lea. Hi, Lucia. And Uriol Escude. Hi, Uriol. Hello. So let's start out by talking about the museum itself. It opened in October with 42 pieces exhibited so far, though the collector says he has more than 200 he wants to display eventually. And this collection includes works from well-known artists like Pablo Picasso, Andy Warhol, Banksy. Can you tell me a little bit more about the museum? So the person behind the Museo de l'Art Prohibit is a Catalan journalist and businessman. He's called Tacho Banet, and he bought an artwork in 2018 by Spanish artist Santiago Sierra called Political Prisoners in Contemporary Spain. Now, he bought it after it was removed from uh, the Contemporary Art Fair in Madrid, Arcos, and then he, he bought it for 80,000 Euros. Then he started collecting other artworks and he realized at one point that he really enjoyed buying censored art. So he decided to put everything uh, in his collection together. Okay. So it kind of became a, a bit of a hobby, I guess, in a way. Yeah, exactly. Um, so can you give me some examples of the kind of art that he found? We saw a hilarious sculpture of Spanish dictator Franco in a Coke freezer. Uh, there's an image of a Christ crucified on the wings of a U.S. fighter plane uh, or a depiction of a naked Donald Trump with a tiny penis. So a lot of controversial pieces on very different topics, but they're all connected to censorship. Right, right. Makes sense. And so what was Tacho Bennett's, you know, ultimate goal when he put this together? Well, they basically want to bring all these censored pieces to light, basically showing them to the public uh, and one of the questions that arises from, from the museum is what topics are controversial in our society and why? Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So what kind of art pieces kind of result in certain responses from people which end up being censored, I guess? So the most common form of censorship is when a work is removed from an exhibition. Uh, there are many reasons why this happens, but it usually has something to do with religion, sex, race or even political reasons. But then, and I think this is even more interesting, is that there are works that have been censored by the authors themselves. Oh, wow. So we're talking about self-censorship. And that was really interesting. And finally, uh, we found that some art pieces were physically attacked by, by members of the public. Wow, okay, interesting. And Uriol, I understand you visited this museum Yes, so Leon and I went to the museum and were able to speak to Tacho Benet and Mari Riva, who's the museum's director of sales. Right in the heart of Barcelona, amid the buzz of tourists and shops in the Eixample district, sits a charming modernist building, the Casa Garriga Nugues. 
Inside, more than 2,000 square meters filled with artwork that someone once wanted to leave in the dark. So we are a unique museum around the world. We are the first museum where all the pieces exposed are censored or prohibited or out of circulation just because of censorship or forbidden. I meet Mari Riva, the museum's sales manager, in front of the Statue of a Girl of Peace by Kim Eun-sung and Kim Seo-kyung, which was banned in Japan in 2019. The statue criticizes the sexual violence against women in the Korean-Japanese war. But it has a really tough history uh, behind it. It reflects like all the women, that, uh, all the violations and sexual harassment uh, of the Japanese guards uh, to the Korean women um, after the, the wars. Because every time that uh, it's exposed, the um, Japanese government um, for, uh, forbids it. So nowadays, like people, like Korean people, see it and almost cry to see it because it has super tough. Tacho Banet, the collector behind the exhibition, says he's not sure which one of the museum's pieces is his favorite because he says they all feel like his children. However, he highlights Francisco de Goya's Los Caprichos, the oldest piece in the museum. Pero ya obras, por ejemplo, ya los grabados, la primera impresión de los grabados de los Caprichos de Goya, que es una pieza muy importante. Los Caprichos was taken out of the market by Goya himself, who self-censored his work for fear of being reprised by the Spanish Inquisition in the late 18th century. The title is also important. Caprichos, whims or cravings in English, is seen as something positive to hide the true meaning of the art piece. Y a obras de, de mol valor testimonial y de lluita, por ejemplo, de, de las donas en el món. Banet mentions another example of self-censorship, an installation by Zulika Boabdella featuring 30 Muslim prayer rugs, each adorned with shiny high heels. She wanted to make a statement about the status of women in Algeria, but decided not to exhibit it after the Charlie Hebdo terrorist attack in 2015. Banet says that there are works of great artistic quality and others with very little, but that the important thing here is that all of them have one thing in common, that someone at some point did not want people to see them, and now we're able to do so. Art censorship can take many forms, the most common being the removal from exhibitions. Not Dressed for Conquering by Inés Dujac depicts Spain's former king Juan Carlos I being sodomized by Bolivian activist Domitilia Barrios and criticizes Spanish colonialism in South America. It was removed from the Museum of Contemporary Art of Barcelona in 2015. Other works have been physically attacked by visitors, like one by Charo Corrales, which depicts the Virgin Mary masturbating. It was attacked by a visitor with a knife in 2019. So uh, we encourage people to find their own limits and see like, till when you can um, see or read about something that you don't like. Uh, we expose uh, the histories and the pieces as they were. We don't, want, we don't want you to think in any specific way. We want you to think your own way and um, arrive to your own conclusions. The art piece Always Franco by Spanish artist Eugenio Merino shows the dictator in a fridge. In 2012, the Francisco Franco Foundation demanded its removal when it was exhibited at Arcos Art Fair. 
Another one by David Cerny called Shark depicts Saddam Hussein tied up in a glass tank. In 2006 it was exhibited in Belgium, but it was removed for fear of offending the Muslim community. So it's important that uh, exists places like this one because is a place for freedom, for uh, liberty of opinion, for uh, to talk about what what have occurred and why it's important to not occur again. Thank you to Marie Riva and Tacho Bennett for speaking with us. So, Lea, what was your takeaway of the museum? When we talk about censorship, I think it's really important to talk about the access to the museums. For example, whose art is displayed there. And for example, in many, many cases, women or people of color or queer people, they lack this access to museums and to these art spaces. And this could be a form of censorship. And actually, there was this uh, 2023 study from the Spanish Institute for Contemporary Art. And they analyzed works from 70 museums around the world. And this study showed that 70% of artists are male and only 30% are female. And the percentage is actually basically the same in, in collections where it's, it's 68% men and 32% female. Yeah, yeah, but it is important to think of it as a type of censorship, even if it's not as black and white Exactly, because it's not only that you have the ability to expose something and then it gets censored, but also actually that you don't get to expose at all. You don't get to show uh, your art or you don't get to publish your uh, your works or whatever it may be. So that's also another sort of, of uh, form of censorship. That's really interesting to bring up because I think it also applies to other forms of art, not just, you know, paintings, sculptures, um, but music or books, literature, uh, cinema, um, which gets at my next point that I wanted to make that censorship in general is not unique to art. Um, it can also happen in news media, as you know, we've known from different countries and different parts of history. Um, and it's something that happened recently in Spain during, as we mentioned earlier, Francisco Franco's dictatorship from 1939 to his death in 1975. And actually a lot of the works in the Museum of Forbidden Art that were done by Spanish artists referenced this time in history. Yeah, and that's because Franco's dictatorship uh, was a huge part of Spain's history. And recent history is not something that happened a long time ago. It's quite recent. So from 1936 to 1939, Spain lived through a bloody civil war. On one side, there was the democratically elected Republicans who wanted equal rights and workers' rights. And on the other side, there were the military rebels led by Franco, who supported the monarchy and traditional values, and they received the support from the Italian fascists under Mussolini. So in 1939, the military rebels won the civil war, and a new era of repression and censorship that will last until Franco's death in 1975 began. And when the dictatorship started, the first group that was censored were women. Before the Civil War, women had made a big step into taking part in society when they gained the right to vote in 1931. 
And also in the late 20s, there was a large wave of female Republican artists, illustrators, writers, and also activists. And after the Civil War ended and the Spanish fascists had taken power, these women were, were forced back into silence because they didn't fit into the regime's idea of what a woman was supposed to be, which was to not be seen or not be heard or let alone be an activist. Right, or an artist, probably. <laughs> So I understand the dictatorship changed all sorts of art forms and expressions. Um, like we mentioned earlier, not just painting sculptures, but you know, other forms of art, literature, cinema. And languages like Catalan was also forbidden. So everything basically changed. Right. And I'm assuming also, you know, certain kind of news media, newspapers. Exactly. And I talked to Jordi Mir Garcia, professor at the Universitat Pompeu Fabra, about censorship during the Franco dictatorship. Great. Let's hear what he said. The civil war was not just a war to gain power, Jordi Mir explains, but a war that wanted to change the values and ideas that were being created at the time, referring to the Republican gains that had been made in terms of equality, workers' rights, and the active role that women played in the society for the first time. Y la, la guerra de España... Mir says the Spanish Civil War aimed to purify society, meaning its leaders wanted to put an end to the types of expressions that went against the ideas that they believed in. Censorship was an important tool of control used by the regime following the war and throughout the entirety of the dictatorship. Si parlem de la, de la censura durant el, durant el franquisme, hem de, hem de tenir present que... We have to keep in mind that the dictatorship wanted to control everything that was put into the public sphere, explains Mir. So they did not allow messages that questioned the regime and could be seen by a large part of society. As a result, the art that came out in Spain after 1939 was very different from the pre-war art. L'art que podrà venir després és un art, és una expressió que tindrà molt a veure amb it was a type of expression that had a lot to do with the messages the regime wanted to carry forward, Mir says, and very little to do with the ideas prevalent in the 1920s or early 30s, that of social transformation, international opening, and human rights. Censorship, however, took different shapes and forms throughout the dictatorship. At the beginning of the regime, the censorship was very controlled. Mir says it affected everything that was shown to the public, whether it was a movie, a news article, a song, or a work of art. The idea was, show it to me first, and then I'll authorize it or not, explains Mir. In this way, artists learn what passes censorship or not. Later on in the dictatorship, when the regime tried to slowly open up, it no longer wanted to come off as repressive. Instead, they would pick and choose what would get past the control, not solely based on ideology, but instead on the importance and the likeliness of reaching the most amount of people. The 1960s art group Equipo Crónica, known for their more or less subtle anti-Francois-themed art, were allowed to showcase their work because it was seen as being too underground to pose a real threat. The same calculations were made when publishing books. For example, it was easier to the regime 
It was much easier for the regime to authorize publishing a cancelland edition of communist philosopher Karl Marx instead of one in Spanish, Mir says. And it was easier to authorize an expensive edition than a popular edition at a lower price. After years of living under a regime, censorship had also become more ingrained into the artist's mindset, to the point where it wasn't necessary to control everything before it came out, because self-censorship had come into play. When they say, well, go ahead and create your art, but we may come get you, and eventually they do come for you, it's a mechanism of self-censorship, says Mead. Now it's no longer that they censor you because you've made a proposal and they didn't let you, Mead adds, but because you censor yourself to avoid bigger problems. Many artists knew that they would somehow have to play by the rules if they wanted to show their art. But what would they do to circumvent censorship laws? En moltes ocasions el que fa és jugar amb el silenci, jugar amb els dobles sentits. In many instances, Mir says, they played with silence or double meaning. Those artists were likely not doing what they wanted to do, but what they could do in that time and place. Thanks to Jordi Mir for speaking with us. So we talk often about censorship, you know, in history or sometimes currently in other countries that may be under dictatorships. Um, but we don't talk that much about the censorship that takes place in democratic countries like Spain. Can you guys talk about, you know, some ways that censorship is still in place in Catalonia or Spain as a whole? Yes, definitely. So there are a couple of examples. There are two high-profile cases that have become very uh, popular in recent years. One of them was uh, Pablo Hassel. He's a Spanish rapper, and he was sentenced to two years in prison for glorifying terrorism and slandering the monarchy in songs and tweets. To give you some examples, he said in a tweet that the king was a millionaire at the expenses of other people's misery. Um... In another tweet, he said, uh, if you kill a police officer, they will come after you no matter what. But if a police officer murders someone, they don't investigate it properly. So, yeah, Valtonic, he's back home now. He, he returned to Spain in October because the crimes had expired, but he had received a sentence to 3.5 years in jail for glorifying terrorism, threats, and insulting the monarchy in his lyrics, in his songs. He fled to Belgium where he lived for the past five years until he came back home. So I actually have a very recent example from June of this year, 2023, where um, a Spanish theater group called Teatro de Fondo, they were planning to stage Orlando by Virginia Woolf. It was set to start in November of 2023, but after far-right Vox got elected in the town of Valdemorillo, which was where the theater group was based, suddenly the play got canceled. And the official reason was that, well, we don't have any funds. Suddenly the budget didn't include this uh, theater. But the theater group has since then said that definitely this must be politically motivated because Orlando goes against the values of Vox. Oh, wow. Okay. So again, like examples of censorship of different forms of art taking place today and maybe more subtle than before, right? Because they don't outright say this is forbidden. They give other reasons. 
Yeah, and sometimes what happens is that the artists, they simply don't get funding if whatever they're showing, it doesn't represent the mainstream opinion or the opinion that the people in power want to show. And that's another form of censorship. It's time now for our Catalan phrase of the week. What is it? Caura la cara de vergonya. Okay. And so that means that your embarrassing face falls, literally, I guess. <laughs> yes, but in a negative way. So it's like, you should be ashamed. It's something your mom could perfectly tell you when you've done something wrong as a kid. Ah, uh, okay. So it's like shame on you, kind of. Yeah, exactly. Literally, it means drop one's face in shame. But yeah, it's shame on you. <laughs> Well, that's all we have time for today. Thank you, Lea and Uriol, for your reporting. Thank you also to everyone who spoke with us about this topic. Before I let you go, though, I want to share some news. This is my last time hosting. I'm moving on to other projects, but Filling the Sink will continue without me. So, as always, keep your ears out for a new episode next Saturday. In the meantime, you can catch Catalan News on social media or email us at feelingthesink at acn.cat. On behalf of the entire team, I'm Lucia Benavides, wishing you all the best and bidding you farewell for now. Goodbye, ciao, adeo. Mm-hmm.